Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Devils on the Rush. This is our inaugural episode. Uh, you have your host, The Fisherman, and uh, co-host, Alexander Chavance, uh from The Hockey Writers and Infernal Access. Uh, with that, I'll hand it over to Alex to kind of introduce himself and where we can find him on the internet. Yeah, so um, as Matt said, I'm writing for The Hockey Writers and Infernal Access these days, uh, mostly for the Devils, but starting to branch out and do a little more NHL coverage in general. Um, uh, yeah, a little more NHL coverage in general, um, as the fisherman said. So, um, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Alex C underscore THW, if you're not following me already. Um, and yeah, we got preseason games getting ready to start. So here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, for our audience, who's probably uh, one or two people at this point, uh, and it'll probably be both of our mothers, but um, <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, just give a brief intro. I think, um, you know, Alex is a journalist that co- has covered the Devils for quite some time now, and I've been an avid fan, uh, season ticket holder, and have a unique uh, connection to the organization that I won't reveal at this time. Um, but I think uh, we wanted to get together, give our thoughts uh, on Devils hockey um, and the future current uh, state. Um, and I think we're, we're both well positioned to do that. Um, and, and with that, let's, let's get started. Uh, the Devils had a very busy offseason. Um, they had a number of additions, um, some trades as well. And then also a number of players coming off of injury that almost seemed to be like new additions to the team uh, based off them missing uh, last season. Um, but let's start with the free agents, Alex. Uh, let, let, let's start with Andre Pilat, uh, a seasoned veteran, a two-time Stanley Cup winner, um, going to obviously bring a lot to the locker room. But h- how do you see this uh, acquisition playing out for the Devils? Uh, well, if we're going based on the uh, two camp scrimmages well, that they uh, put up for streaming, it looks like Pilat's going to fit in uh, pretty well. Um, well, he only played in the one, what was it, on Saturday, but he had a an assist, um, or at least what we could see. He had an assist to, on Alexander Holtz's goal. And I'm pretty sure in the one that was not televised yesterday, he also assisted on another goal from Holtz. Um, and they brought him in to boost their top six a little bit, but you know, the guy has been to four Stanley Cups in, what, the nine, ten years he's been in the NHL. So he's going to bring a little bit of a winning pedigree to a really young team that kind of just hasn't had players like that in their lineup for some time now. Um, you know, that's like one thing that's really hard to quantify, but it, it matters in, in the locker room, especially um, when you have a young team like the Devils has just lost a lot of games over the last couple of years. And they're trying to take the next step. You get bring in someone like Palat, who's won two Stanley Cups, uh, has been to four in his career, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's just going to help a ton. And if, especially if he clicks with Hughes and Holtz to start the season, that could make for a really solid top line. And and he's been on some incredibly talented lines, you know, starting with the triplets and then, you know, playing with the likes of Stamkos and Kucherov on a, on a regular basis. So he's used to being on lines with pretty high end talent. Um, and, and, you know, even in some of the pressers I listen to, um, it seems like Nico has already approached him for some leadership tips, um, which which, you know, to your point, just seems like great locker room presence, a veteran presence, and and a full 200-foot game, um, which I think we haven't seen from a lot of wingers uh, in the past on the New Jersey Devils. Uh, it either seems to be they're super defensive or super offensive or 
just they suck in general. So uh, so it'll be nice to have some talent up in the top six. And I think that was one of the check marks that that Fitzy wanted to 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 knock off the list in the offseason, a top six winger. I know, you know, they took some big swings at the likes of Goudreau and Kachuk um, and came a little bit empty handed. But uh, I think Palazza, uh, you know, the next best option, um, you know, the contract is a little mm, iffy. Uh, we might be uh, not liking that contract so much in three to four years, but uh, overall, I think in the immediate future, a, a definite upgrade and it should definitely play nice along Hughes and hopefully Holtz. Yeah. At least for like the next two to at least two years, even maybe three, you're going to get value out of Palat for sure. Um, you know, as they say on Twitter, he's just got that dog in him. So, um, I mean, you saw it in the Stanley cup playoffs this past um it's just this past year in the Rangers series, the guy came up with clutch goal after clutch goal. Um, the Devils just kind of like need someone like that. And, you know, he said when himself, when the, the devil signed him back in July in his um, like introductory press conference, he's not really like a, a vocal leader. He's more of a leader by example kind of thing, but that's not a, that's not a bad thing. Uh, you know, if you've got a guy out there and I'm sure Lindy Ruff is going to use him in late game situations when they're trying to close out leads you got a guy out there like Palat who's just kind of sacrificing himself, blocking shots, making that extra defensive play. That'll help prevent a goal. Um, it rubs off on everyone else, and they'll take hold of. They'll take notice of it. Like these young players will be like, "Oh, maybe that's what we've been missing over these last couple of years." You know, he's doing the extra thing to help prevent a goal late in the late in the games, and it yeah, like I said, it's gonna rub off on everyone. If they see him doing it. Do you do you envision him on special teams? Uh, I think he'll get power play time. I got to go look this up. I'm not really sure how much of the penalty kill he played um, with Tampa. Um, I think just off the top of my head, from what I know, his penalty kill numbers weren't great, but it could be in a really small sample size, so it's hard to know for sure. Um, I think he's going to get power play time. It'll just be kind of interesting to see where he does get power play time because the Devils got a lot of options for both units right now. So yeah. that's something to, to watch, you know, over these preseason games. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I, at least on the power play, I, I at least see him maybe in the down down low or in the slot. Uh, I don't see him on one of the wings. I don't know if his shot is there uh, for yeah. f- for being a winger uh, on a power play, but definitely in the slot. And, and I think that's where he got a lot of his goals, you know, as much as the lightning action that I watched um, was definitely in the slot. And if I can remember correctly, a lot of the goals against the Rangers came right in the slot over, over Shuchurkin's, uh glove hand. So, yeah, definitely a great addition. Um, anything else you'd like to add on him before we move on? Uh, no, I think that kind of covers it for now. I mean, we just got a glimpse of him in the scrimmages and it was pretty promising. So we'll see what he looks like in these games coming up this week. Yeah, no, definitely exciting. Now, as we move to Vitek Vanacek, uh, the second big free agent signing, um, what what are your, I guess not a free agent. We traded for him and then signed him from the capitals. Um, but he was a restricted free agent. Um, I mean, thoughts on him. What is what is he going to bring to the Devils? Uh, he seems to be a 1A or a 1B in, in goaltending and obviously another checkbox that uh, Fitzy wanted to to get off uh, in this offseason. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about Vitek. Yeah, so he's basically been in a 1A, 1B type of situation, really a Samsonov in the last couple of years with the, the Capitals. 
Um, and he's had some success, at least in the regular season. He's got a 908 save percentage for his career. Uh, finished with that in each of his first two seasons in the NHL. So um, by what the league average save percentage is now, he's above average. I think the league average save percentage over the last two seasons has like fallen to 903 or something like that. So he's an above average goaltender. Um, last season, he actually showed quite a bit of an improvement at five on five. His five on five save percentage um, was a fringe top 10 for like goalies with at least that a thousand minutes at that game state. Um, same thing with this high danger save percentage at that game state. So he showed improvement in that regard. Um, I kind of the area which is hard to assess because it's a small sample size. Um, is his penalty kill numbers have not been great over his first two seasons. Um, but that could just be noise because it's not that big of a sample size. And the same thing for his three-on-three numbers, which is even a smaller sample size. So he should stabilize their situation in net. He's an above-average goaltender, maybe capable of a little bit better than that. Um, and, you know, he'll be good, but he's going to need help from whoever else is playing behind him, whether it's Blackwood or Jonathan Bernier. So, But he'll definitely help for sure. Yeah, I mean – I think that's what the devils were preaching all last season. Can we just get some decent goaltending so we can at least, you know, be in these games uh, when you're, yeah. when you're rolling out your six and seven string goaltenders of guys that are 20 years old that are, you know, still can't even drive themselves to the rink. Uh, you know, I think, I think this is what the devils need uh, and what they've been wanting. Um, and, and when Bernier comes back, you know, that's, that's a tough question that Lindy's going to have to answer. You know, we're going to have three, you know, good goaltenders, league average goaltenders, hopefully with Blackwood coming back from injury, um, and hopefully a full off season to put in that training. And I think that's where he kind of stumbled last year with that, with the nagging heel injury. So hopefully that's fully healed and, and we'll get to Blackwood a little bit later, uh, in the show. But yeah, no, uh, I think you covered it all with VTech. Uh, I think the five on five numbers are strong. Um, and we'll have to see what the penalty kill brings. The Devils have historically always had a good penalty kill. Uh, at least that was under NAS. We'll have to see what happens uh, under the new assistant coach. Um, but I think, you know, that should be pretty status quo. And hopefully hopefully this brings some stability in net. Um, and, and we don't get caught with the injury buck like we have the past couple seasons in net. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, Bernie is a bit of a wild card here because he's already playing in scrimmage games, which did not see that coming. Obviously, it's a good thing if he's able to go sooner than later. But, well, uh, to be fair, I don't think he saw many pucks coming either with what he let in. But <laughs> Yeah, he had a bit of a rough showing, but I think he was just happy to get back out there. Um, okay, well, that's great. Now, um, you know, I, I fumbled a little bit saying VTech was a free agent, but I just remember him re-upping. So he was technically a trade and then and then re-signed as a, as a restricted free agent uh, on a three-year deal. Um, now to the trades, Eric Halla. Um, he was in a trade uh, with the main piece of Pavel Zaka. Uh, I think many Devils fans have had high hopes for Zaka for many of years, and he showed some flashes of brilliance, and then he showed plenty of flashes of just being lazy and um, disappointing and you know, a big body or a waste of a six pick. Um, I think some of the criticism was unfair. I think um, he was put in a tough situation, brought up in a pretty tough time for the New Jersey Devils. Um, 
but I think maybe a change of scene will be good for him. And, you know, any time that you can probably be on a line with Patrice Bergeron is probably a good thing and will help your game. But, you know, all the best to Pavel Zaka. But what do you think Eric Holla brings to the team? He's a strong, hard-nosed third-line center from from everything that I've seen and watched him play. Um, you know, 31 years old, so he's still he's got plenty left in the tank uh, and good veteran leadership. Um, but, you know, what, what have you seen, Alex? Yeah, so he's, um, I mean, production-wise, he's not too far off from Zaka. Uh, like, over the last three seasons, he's averaged 18 goals and 41 points per 82 games. So that's pretty much in line with what Zaka has been averaging. That's even a little bit less. Um, but uh, he the way he gets to his points, I think, is a little more sustainable than Zaka. Um, Hala has gets to high danger areas pretty often, and he capitalizes on the grade A chances that he um, his teammates set him up for pretty often. He's got a good shot. Um, we even saw it a little bit in the scrimmage. I think it was the first one he got a goal from in I think in tight when they were trying with an extra attacker. He got um, something from behind the goal line too, and he just kind of threw the puck at the net and it deflected off a defenseman's skate. So um, he's going to score goals. It's not going to be like a 30 goal scorer or anything. But, like to that, be f- but... but to be fair, I think that's what the devils have been missing a little bit. The last couple of seasons was some hard nosed goals, some dirty goals. Uh, yeah. I think we sure. have plenty of skill with Brat Hughes. He sure, but we didn't, you know, obviously we missed that with miles being out last year, just someone that's going to crash the net and poke it in. Yeah. I know a hundred percent. Cause like, Obviously, Lindy Ruff's system is the way they want to play. Is they want to play off the rush, but like you do need different ways to score. You can't just rely on the rush to score all the time. So yeah, having Miles Wood obviously will be huge. If he, it looks like he's pretty much healthy at this point, he looked pretty good in the scrimmages. And then yeah, Hala, a bit of a similar player. Um, I think he's probably got more, maybe a little more skill than Miles. His shot's probably better than Miles's shot as well. But he'll get to like the high danger areas and. As long as he's with um, players that can help him drive a line, because he's not much of a play driver at all. He needs, he's not great in transition, so he's going to need players, whoever it is, maybe Fabian Zetterlin, Tom, Tomas Tatar, um, on the third line with him to kind of just move the puck through the neutral zone and kind of set him up, because he doesn't create chances for himself that often. It, he more relies on people setting him up. So, but he's good, and if he's with linemen like that, they can set him up. He will capitalize on the chances he gets. Now, do you see him on the penalty kill? Cause I don't obviously envision him on the, on the, on the power play, but yeah, he... I, I doubt he gets power play time. Um, I don't know how much of a penalty killer he's been in the past, but if you look at his face off percentage over the last three seasons, he's won like a little bit over 54% of his draws. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it's, I mean, obviously on uh, face-offs maybe don't matter as much as on five-on-five, five, but on special teams, they matter, especially on the penalty kill. If you can win a draw and clear it right away, like, you know, kills, what, 20, 25, 30 seconds off, uh, you know, a two-minute power play. So if he can win a draw, I could see him on getting some penalty kill time. So you're telling me we won't have to just throw out Michael McLeod every time we need to win a draw? We have a couple, yeah. other, we have a couple other faces we could put out there now with uh, Nico? Yeah, I mean, they got some pretty good um, – Yeah, I mean, Nico, Halla, um, I think Mercer, as he gets stronger, would be somebody who would probably be pretty good on draws too if they you know, just want to put him in, at center in some situation, uh, different situations. But, yeah, I mean, Halla, McLeod, 
feature. They got some guys who should be able to win draws at this point. So it shouldn't be as much of a concern moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, that's still uh, one deficiency in Jack's game. So hopefully he took uh, some of those times up uh, in Michigan when he wasn't uh, wakeboarding or water skiing uh, and was working on some faceoffs. But uh, knowing his work ethic, he definitely put the time in. Um, so that's great. Yeah, looking forward to Holland hard-nosing play and, and see what he brings to that third line or even possibly fourth line. We, we still got to see what the what the lines shake out with, you know, the ambiguity surrounding McLeod and his situation with Hockey Canada and the, let's uh, put it nicely, weird press conference that happened uh, a couple days ago. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on to to the next trade. John Marino. Uh, a right-handed defenseman uh, from Pittsburgh um, seems by all accounts a great skater um, more of a stay-at-home defenseman opposed to you know bringing that offensive upside um, but you know he will probably slot in either to the second or third uh, right side D uh, depending on how the lines shift out but tell us a little bit about John Alex yeah so I actually think this um... We'll see in time, but I think this may go down as uh, Fitz's best move of the summer. Um, just because they didn't really have a defenseman uh, like Marino in their lineup in the past. I guess you could say Siegenthaler, but Marino has a little more offensive upside than Siegenthaler. Um, what Marino is really good at is defending the rush. I mean, that's kind of just how he made his mark with Pittsburgh. Um, something the Devils were not very good at last year defensively uh, is, you know, defending the rush. They're, actually, their in-zone defense was not bad, but uh, people were just gaining – opponents were just gaining the, their, the zone way too often. So Marino is going to help in that regard a lot. He should get penalty kill minutes. Um, I can see next, him just eating up penalty minutes. Yeah, I mean, I could even see him playing, you know, top four – even top pair minutes, depending some nights. He's going to play some hard defensive minutes, I would think. Um, he can move the puck really well, even though if you look at his point totals, there's not much there, especially since his rookie season. His, his offensive production has kind of declined a little bit, but he's a really good puck mover in transition, so he can start the rush going the other way when he stops it, um, when he stops opponents from gaining the rush. So he's going to help a lot. I think that you know, with the uncertainty with Severson, he's entering the last year of his contract if they don't end up resigning him, which kind of looks like they might after since they just drafted uh, Shimon Nemitz with the second pick. It's tough to see where Severson fits in moving forward. So, you know, having Marino there, um, huge, huge trade for Fitz, especially since if they had kept Ty Smith for this coming season and he didn't rebound, then he would have had pretty much no val- trade value moving forward. I think teams would have just kind of looked at him and been like, well, he's, you know, a bit of a reclamation project at this point. Maybe we'll give you like a later pick. But Fitz didn't take that chance. Instead, he went out and got a top four defenseman who's under contract for five more years, I think, and at a pretty reasonable cap hit. So good work there for sure. Yeah, I mean, brilliant work. Um, and obviously, I don't think the Pens wanted to let Marino go. I think he almost became a cap casualty with yeah, with sure. what happened with Malkin and Latang uh, and Crosby essentially holding their feet to the fire, saying you better resign these two, or you know, Sydney's not going to be happy. So, um, you know, I, I think Fitz has always done well on those cap casualty trades. How many of them have actually worked out? Uh, well, that's another story, but I think 
to your point, this might be his best move of the summer and um, really gives the devil's flexibility when it comes to the trade deadline um, with Severson. Right. Um, you know? Yeah. And if, and if Simone is doing great down in, in Utica where I think he will start. And I think you believe that as well. Yeah. Um, and, and you feel comfortable bringing him up or even, you know, uh, the other two, uh, Ball and um, what's his name, Alex? Riley Walsh. Uh, Riley Walsh or uh, the the big Russian. Oh, Nikita Hochuk. Yeah. yeah, Nikita. Yeah, uh, his last name troubles troubles my mouth, so <laughs> I'll just stick with Nikita. Um, uh, but you know, they they for the first time in a while, this defense looks. You know, I don't I don't want to, I'm hesitant to say top five in the East, but definitely knocking on the door and let's see some games get under them. But definitely, I mean, what, what, what this defense was at least three years ago to what it is now, it's unbelievable. The night and day difference that, that Fitzy has done on it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, their right side might be one of the, the top right sides in the NHL with Dougie Hamilton, Severson and Marino, uh, assuming, you know, we get a healthy Hamilton who's probably, he seems like a pretty good bounce back candidate for this season. So yeah, I mean that right side is. Uh, I mean, you got three top four defenders there for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, and then obviously we all are uh, antici- anticipating Luke to be the next, uh, you know, Cal McCarr. But we'll hold our breath until that day comes. Uh, yeah. That's for another podcast. Um, but let, let, let's keep moving on. Um, and, and as I stated earlier, we 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 had a bunch of injuries last year that started seemingly from the beginning of the season and we missed a lot of firepower either on offense or in net um and we briefly touched on it but miles wood uh this almost seems like a great off-season acquisition because we did not get any miles wood last year uh well let me correct myself i think we might have got two or three games but yeah i think uh, three games three games but you know not it wasn't the miles wood that we were used to seeing nor was it any meaningful hockey that he actually played uh, towards the end of the season uh, with the Devils being well out of uh, playoff contention at that point when he rejoined the team. Um, talk to us where you think Miles is going to slot in with this new this new potential uh, roster. Yeah, so in the scrimmages, they've had him so far with Paula and Dawson Mercer, uh, which I find interesting uh, just because I thought Miles was just kind of straight penciled in for that fourth line role with, uh, you know, either just Boquist, McLeod, or Nathan Bastian, however that fourth line. Bring back the bring back the BMW line. Yeah, however that fourth line is going to look to start this season. But um, yeah, I mean, if he's with Mercer and Halla, that kind of at least signifies that they're going to try top nine minutes at least to start off things. Um, But yeah, like you said, we had just touched on it briefly before and. just the way that Ruff kind of wants to play. Um, he needs a player like that in his bottom six, and he just didn't have that at all last season. Like, there wasn't – he got a little bit from here and there from Nathan Bastion, but Miles Wood's a, a better player than him. He's a better skater. When he's healthy, he can score a lot more than uh, Bastion can. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to be huge help, um, just like we talked about with Halla. Um, he'll – uh, bring them like a different type of score. It's not going to be someone who's just playing off the rush all the time. He's going to go to the net and you know create havoc and try to 
get dirty goals from the blue crease around there. And, and you know where else we missed him? Um, and, and, you know, I know Bastion filled in a little bit, but Bastion can drop down to the second PP is in front of net on the power play. Yeah. Uh, he made a living there uh, two seasons ago. And I think got quite a few goals off the power play. He was, he was great and he's a big body. And I think where else he fits in is bringing some nastiness back into the lineup. So we don't have to freaking have the likes of Gearston in the lineup each night just to, just to drop the gloves. I, I know miles, you know, we don't want him always doing that just because he, he does bring a value of skill and, and whatnot. But, you know, there is something to be said to, to having some nastiness back in the lineup, especially with his skating and skill ability. Yeah, he's definitely going to play like a bit of an agitator role, not to like the level of, um, you know, someone like Brad Marchand, obviously, or even Michael Bunting. He's kind of annoying to play against. I think he's kind of getting that reputation in Toronto as just being like a pain in the ass to play against. But he will annoy opponents because he's, always going 110 percent um he's always in on when he's in on the four check he's he's going in i mean he's there's the effort is always there he's gonna annoy people it's a little bit like dawson mercer actually just they, they play different types of game but mercer is gonna be one of those guys who's just gonna annoy people for the longest time um so yeah having players like that just throughout your lineup even if it's in the bottom six uh make a difference and you know i don't like i don't know i wouldn't necessarily have called the devil soft to play against the last couple of years uh but you know having that toughness like you said will i think make uh put opponents uh get people thinking a little bit 100 percent. i think even when you look you know two years ago compared to what the team we have now i, I know jonas siegenthaler has some bite to him and we saw that last season i mean he when he wants to get nasty he'll he'll get nasty with you uh yeah miles you have bastion uh, you know, gravy. Uh, he's not afraid to run someone over or drop the gloves. Um, and and we'll just have to see what Hollow brings. But I'm sure he'll he's got a nice bite to him too. Uh, and uh, I don't know if McLeod's going to be on the team or not. That's still to become. But he's not afraid to drop the gloves. So plenty of candidates uh, to to play that quote unquote enforcer role with some skill and not have to put Gearston in. Uh, sorry, Grandma Gearston, but. Uh, if he never plays one second this season, I think that will be a win for this for this organization. Yeah, I mean, if no offense to Gearson because he seems like a really nice guy, but like if the Devils want to compete this year, I mean, they they're gonna need all these top guys like Miles Wood and Bastion. They, they I mean, they're gonna need them in the lineup you know, as often as they can, they can be. So I, I hope the only time we play Gearston is if we're already clinched for a playoff spot and we just want to rest some starters, but that's a uh, well far ahead of yeah, uh, that's where, the ideal where we want to be. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And grandma Gearson, if you are happen to listen to this, we do love you. We do love your Twitter uh, involvement, but um sorry, but hopefully your grandson stays in Utica. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Bernier, um, you know, we saw a little bit of him in the scrimmages, uh, which was shocking. Uh, I didn't even think he would be on the ice. Um, we've seen what a hip injury can do to goaltenders in the past, uh, i.e. Corey Schneider, who we are still paying somehow uh, and will be paying till next year as well. Um, I'm hesitant to say that Bernier will be even remotely close to what we thought he would be when we signed him from a nine ten save percentage from the Red Wings on a two-year deal. Um, you know, in the first 10 games when he played last year, he looked great. He looked like as advertised. Um, and then the injury. Um, 
where where do you think he slots in? Do you think he plays this year? Do you think he tries to come back and the injury is too much to come back from? Where, where, what are your thoughts on Bernier? Um, so I think if he can play um, from which, you know, early going as the preseason here, it definitely looks like he's going to try to play at some point this season. Um, I didn't see this from Tom Fitzgerald, but someone in my mentions, I don't remember who, on Twitter told me that uh, I think Fitz was asked something about the goalies and he said the ideal situation is having three this year. So if Bernier can go, and if Fitz did say that, I'd, I'd have to go back and listen to an interview. But if he did say that and it's true, um, then yeah, Bernier is going to be part of the rotation going forward. Um, I did watch Bernier's, uh, I guess, media availabil- availability after the um, scrimmage the other day. And he said he's definitely not pain-free yet. So I don't think we're going to see him playing in regular season games um, for a bit. I know Julie Robenmeyer, Robenheimer had said in the Brad Pack uh, Twitter space that the expectations he'll be back by Thanksgiving. But if he's good to go by then, I think um, we'll be seeing a three goalie rotation. And that's actually, I'm not that surprised by it. Someone I talked to who's pretty, pretty in the know in the NHL circles said that it wouldn't be surprising if other teams were uh, using three goalie rotations, especially uh, on road trips, you know, after COVID and everything, uh, teams kind of like that um, taxi squad kind of style of, um, uh, I guess, flexibility of being able to have three goalies on your roster. So you're going to see that not just from the Devils. I think you're going to see that from other teams from time to time this season. So if Bernier can come back and be an adequate goalie for them, he's probably going to figure in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, all nice and fine. I just think, you know, giving up a roster spot to a third goalie could be tough come later in the season. And we saw that when we tried to do that with Wedgwood and lost him on waivers. Right. Um, I think if we have injuries at other spots, which I'm sure we will defenseman or forward, you know, you always want that extra on ice skater. So I just, I don't know. I feel like it's just, it's always tough to have three goalies that, you know, are all that can't be, you know, can't be sent back down uh, based off contract situation. So we'll see how the season plays out. Hopefully, you know, he comes back and he's, he's definitely what we signed him to be, but um, I just have trouble envisioning that. Yeah. I mean, I think for now I'd be really, really surprised if he was ready to start the regular season. So he's probably going to start off on LTIR and now buy them a little time to make a decision. They'll have to free up some cap space in the meantime as well. So uh, we'll cross that bridge when we have to, but when the time comes, I'm pretty sure he's going to figure into the rotation somehow. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and now we'll talk to his counter. We'll talk about his counterpart, Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, Mackenzie has had a let's say roller coaster time with the Devils. We've seen some incredible highs where his uh, win, wins above replacement, I believe, uh, has been outstanding at times, even top five in the league. Um, but then we've seen some lows, some very bad lows, you know, and I don't think that's always attributed to him. I think the defense that was put in front of him a couple times was shameful. Um, but then also he's had some tough goes of it with, um, injuries. Um, we, we won't get into the whole COVID fiasco that happened as well. Um, and I don't know what that's done with his relationship with other players in the locker room. And I I don't want to speculate there. Um, 
but I think, you know, on, on a recent podcast where Nico was talking with Elliot Friedman uh, and Elliot asked him who is the lowest maintenance uh, teammate and who's the highest maintenance teammate. Uh, he did mention McKenzie. Now I do think a little bit got lost in translation there, but it does speak to what some players might think of him in the locker room. Um but there's no doubt about it. He's a big body. He's athletic. And when he's fully fit, he seems to be an above average NHL goaltender. Um, how do you see the season playing out for him and coming off his heel injury? Yeah. So this is a tough one because we, he just hasn't been healthy for two years. I mean, in the, the COVID shortened season, he got COVID and it affected him like pretty much the rest of that shortened season. And obviously last season, the heel was never 100%. Um, but my colleague at uh, Infernal Access, CJ Totoro, has wrote a piece, uh, I don't remember when exactly, about how when Mackenzie Blackwood has been healthy, he's been, you know, an average to above average goaltender. And obviously when he's not healthy, he's just been awful. So and shout um, out to CJ. He, he puts out some great pieces. And yeah. He's great with the, with the advanced analytics as well. Yeah, CJ has been uh, he been doing this longer than than me. I mean, he started off at um, all about the jersey. I think even when it was still called in Louis Trust. So yeah, he he knows his stuff. If you're not following him, too, you should definitely go follow him on Twitter. He's CJT Devil, I believe. So um, shout out to CJ, of course. Um, always, yeah, always, he, always welcome on the pod, CJ. Yes, CJ, we'll get you on here one day for sure. Um, but yeah, anyways, going back to his article, I mean, he's just saying that. If, Blackwood's healthy. He should be a capable goal goalie. And I get off the evidence that we have in his career that that's true. He's been good when he's healthy. So um, if there's nothing going on with the heel now, which it doesn't seem like, you know, there's no indication that anything's going on with the heel right now. Um, he should be huge for this team. If he can post, you know, just even league average number now is 902. Let's say if he has like a 908 this year, like Banachek, make a huge difference for this team. Um, you know, the defense in front of him should be improved. I mean, Tom Fitzgerald got Brendan Smith also, not just John Marino. And I think Smith is going to help a lot, just at least with defensive depth. So he's going to be playing in front of a good defense. The team should be able to score goals, no problem, especially if the power play is improved uh, with Andrew Burnett overseeing things now. Um, and I, I don't want to go as far as to say that, like, the season hinges on Mackenzie Blackwood, but a huge reason for their success is going to be whether he can play at a level they need him to. And uh, I think for me, when preseason games start, I guess, you know, you'd be listening to this um, today, which uh, Monday, which would be the first preseason game. I think he's the most interesting player to watch in the preseason, because if he goes into his preseason games and just kind of looks like he has over the last two years, I think people are going to start, you know, raising, I guess, some concerns. But if he looks like the goalie he was before we knew what COVID was, then I think that'd be super encouraging for not just fans, but for the team as well. They go in there and see him stopping like 920. If he goes in there with a 920 save percentage after the preseason, I think a lot of they will do wonders for his confidence and for the teams as well. Yeah, I don't think the the whole season success is hinging on Blackwood. But if they want to make a serious playoff push, then yes. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think it all depends on what we define a success for this season and for this team. Um, I think a lot of, I think Don Lashusian or uh, yeah, 
Dom. Yeah, his name is it's really difficult. Just um, just go with Dom at the Athletic. Dom at the at- has, yeah, yeah, Dom Dom at the Athletic did put yeah. out his his season projections card for the for the Devils and I saw it on Twitter today and um you know, it's in the 90 point region, you know, on the fringe um you know of the of the playoffs there. Um, and you know, we can, we can get into where I disagree with some of his ratings with how low he's rated Jack Hughes and I don't know what's going on there, but, um, you know, I think if the devils are to, to be there, um, or above that, it really will hinge on, on McKenzie having a stellar season. Uh, and I'm not just saying league average, he would need to be above league average in my opinion, if they were mm-hmm. to, to make a serious playoff push. Um, because I think the difference between him and, and VTech is, is that I think Blackwood's ceiling is definitely higher, uh, than VTech's. Um, and, but I do think, you know, as we've seen his floor might be lower. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that's probably the perfect way to put it. We saw his first two years in the league, he had like a 9.16 save percentage. And then his last two years, I mean, among the league's worst goaltenders. But, you know, like you said, also not all on him. I mean, the injuries clearly affected his play, especially last season. Um, yeah, I mean, if they're going to make a playoff push and they want to make – they're probably going to need around 94 to 95 points to make the playoffs at least. He's going to have to factor into that for sure. It can't just be VTech Manichek. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the Eastern Conference plays out, and, and we won't get into this. We can, I think, we'll get into season predictions, um, you know, and in, in, in later pods. But with with the East being a lot deeper than it has historically been, with the likes of the Senators, Red Wings, Blue Jackets, all uh, significantly improving this off season, I think. Um, you know, it's not, you're not going to see these runaway divisions as we have previously. Um, and, and God knows what's going to happen in net for the Leafs. So <laughs> they, they might be winning games nine, eight uh, with, uh, with that team there. So, um, but let's, let, let's move on. Um, we did have uh, one big contract uh, that was signed this off season. I know we've touched on the numbers, but there was one that was in everyone's limelight. Everyone, uh, you know, kept this, uh, an eye on it, even to the minutes before we thought it was going to arbitration. I, I remember texting with you. We're like, well, time to throw up our hands. We're screwed on this one now. <laughs> uh, it looks like it looks like some nasty video sessions are going to be uh, seen with an arbitrator. Um, but no, it avoided ar- arbitration. We uh, got to a one-year deal. Um, let's talk about Jesper Bratt. Um, where do you think he stands with the club? Where do you think his mindset is going into this season? Um, and, and what do you expect from him? Um, so I'm pretty much expecting a repeat of last season. I don't think the 73 points in 76 games or whatever it was, was, you know, a flash in the pan or however you want to characterize it. I, I think he's legitimately that good of a player. Uh, will he get 75 points again? I, I don't know. He could even get better maybe, but he's going to be one of their top point producers. And, um, I think as far as his standing with the organization, it's pretty simple. If he repeats what he does, they're going to just be like, here's eight by seven and a half million dollars per year or something like that. I think they'll pay him. Uh, I think he wants to stay long-term too. I don't really, I, don't, I mean, based off what he says, and I tend to believe him, I don't get the impression he's looking to bolt in free agency or anything like that. Um, especially if the team does well this year and like say if they even if they don't make the playoffs, but they have like a 90, 92 point season or something, and they're just like right there. Yeah, I think that'll 
be enticing for him to sign long term. And I'm sure the Devils, you know, Fitz has been pretty adamant about how they view him as a long term piece for the, the franchise. I, you know, I think that just maybe some of its cap, you know, there's talks about the cap going uh, up eight to nine million dollars in a couple of years. Maybe some of that has to do with it also. But I think if Jesper, you know, goes out there and just like a point per game player again, they're going to pay him. I, I would even think they get that contract done before the trade deadline. That's possible if he's just tearing it up by then. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like if, if ideally, like I, if I'm a, um, if I'm Fitz, you need that contract done before the trade deadline. Yeah, uh, for sure. You don't want, you don't want to walk into an off season like you did, like the flames did, right? You don't listen, the flames turned it around and no one saw that coming. No one thought they were getting Huberto and Uyghur, but I don't think the Devils can pull that off, um, you know, maybe, but I, I don't see it because I don't think Brat still doesn't have the name recognition that a Kachuk does, uh, especially Kachuk went 100 plus points, even though I don't I think that's an anomaly and he'll, he's going to come back down to earth, even playing beside the likes of Barkov. But back to Brat, I, I could definitely see a Cairo deal. Uh, it, basically he walks into Fitz's office and said, this is what Cairo got. This is what I want type of thing. And I think that's fair and reasonable. Um, I know you mentioned eight, you know, seven and a half. I, I think Cairo was just above eight. It was eight and a quarter, yeah, think, eight and a quarter, yeah. I believe. Uh, I think he got the same as Rob Thomas. Um, so, you know, I, as in terms, you know, all press conferences have seemed positive. He seems to want to stay here long-term. He's said it multiple times. Uh, he did allude to something that there there seemed to be one sticking point in the contract negotiations. Uh, and I don't know if you picked up on this, but no, I didn't catch that. He, he, I think, and I could be wrong here, but I think what I was reading and listening to the thing, it was like, oh, now we have another year to figure one thing out. Um, so I think, you know, I think they might have been closer. They were on the right track. They just couldn't come to terms on one thing. And I know there was a lot of speculation in the off season that. You know, Brat's agent, this is, you know, his only high profile client. And he does he have the experience to get something like this done? Uh, time will tell. But uh, knowing Fitz and his contract negotiations and how he's run this team so far, uh, I have full confidence that he'll do right by the Devils and hopefully right by Jesper Bratt. Yeah, I, I, it'll be an easy negotiation, I think, this time around if he's balling out again. So, Yeah, I think every everything that's had to been said in that negotiation room has already been said this past season. Now yeah. it's, it's, you know, the prover- proverbial shit or get off the pot type thing. Uh, so excuse my French mom. Don't, you know, <laughs> wash, my so- I'll wash my mouth out later. Um, okay, let's move on to the prospect challenge. Uh, this is always one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, especially because uh, we have such high hopes uh, as Devils fans go this season. Oh, yeah, we're going to be great this season. Look at this prospect pool. So, uh, you know, they they had the prospect challenge with the Canadians, the Bruins, and the Sabres. Um, we don't have to go each game. Um, I was just thinking, let's, let's just get your general overall thoughts. Um, a lot of names can be made for themselves during this time. As if we remember last season, Dawson Mercer really made a name for himself in the prospect challenge. Um, and I think that was Holtz's goal going into this prospect challenge. Could he have a, a showing that, you know, vaults him onto this team, obviously with a strong, you know, training camp, but Alex, what, what did you see from the, from the prospect challenge? Yeah, so unfortunately I missed the game where Holtz uh, scored the 
game tying and game winning goal. I was at a concert, and then the next game, the Devils just didn't play that well, and then he didn't play the last game. So uh, I kind of missed him, you know, tearing it up at the Prospects Challenge. But I guess I mean I've seen him in the the couple camp uh, the camp scrimmages. I mean he looks like he's doing quite well. So um, the the players that stood out to me because I didn't see Holtz were um, I guess well let me touch on him first before going to other players. Um, obviously the Devils, if they can add another score, they can, they're going to want one, but the way, the only way they can do that because what their cap space right now is going through their prospect system and Holtz has the most scoring upside. And, um, you know, you definitely saw that, I think in the, from what I could tell is in the first game, he was definitely getting to scoring areas. I think his skating did definitely look a lot better, which was, um, something that was kind of, I guess, plaguing him in the. NHL last season, his skating just wasn't good enough. Well, what, I guess, I guess, I think we could attribute that to skating all off season with Jesper and his coach. And and I've texted you multiple times, like whatever we need to do, just go get this guy out of Sweden and make him a permanent fixture in the Devils organization. Because I mean, Jesper is one of the silkiest skaters in the league, and and if Holtz can remotely come close to that, I mean, that's going to be huge i mean he looked like he was stuck in sand at some points last season um where he it just seemed like the game was passing him by i don't know if it was the smaller ice if it was the quicker game but um yeah just his skating just looks exponentially better yeah he looked a lot quicker even in the game where they didn't play well um following the i think it was against the sabers on saturday night that saturday night i thought he looked a lot quicker and he's in the the training camp scrimmages too i think he's looked pretty good um so yeah i mean everyone you know he's the devil's top prospect i guess after luke hughes um i don't think there's much debate about that and you know he's entering this would be his third season since he got drafted i think so you know he's got to start contributing here soon put up or shut up old. type deal right? yeah not quite yet he's still only 20 years old but you know for such a high pick you want him to start contributing now um so, so we're not putting him in Reed Boucher category yet. No, absolutely not. Not at twenty okay. years old. Yeah, okay. definitely not. No, 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 not yet. Uh, yeah. I remember those days. Yeah, oh, no, he's, no, no. he's got this wicked shot. You know, yeah, I can't, I can't wait for him. Oh, geez. yeah. It turns out they. Good thing he did not pan out because that he just turned to be a turned he's out in, to be a slimy human jail? being. Is he yeah, in jail? He's it, he's in the KHL, so I don't know if you consider that jail. Uh, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. We won't. We won't be getting into geopolitics on this podcast. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That might be jail. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But aside from Holtz, um, you know, a couple other names that stood out to me at the prospect channel were Kevin Ball. I thought Kevin Ball looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's looked good in the camp scrimmages too. Uh, I think, like for him, I wrote um, in the article um, looking at what defense pairs the Devils might use this preseason. I thought the I mentioned that, like, defending the rush for Ball when he first came into the NHL, it was just like he couldn't do it. He just wasn't up to the pace. But now it looks like he can defend the rush at an adequate level where he, you know, he'll be a capable at least third-pair defender for them this year. I think he's going to factor factor into that third pair with Brendan Smith and John Marino. Um, yeah. Like, I think, yeah. I think, I think be... for sure, right? I mean, like, obviously, yeah. I think Brendan Smith's going to start the season. Um in that third pair role, Flyers game, you know, veteran. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a gritty game, especially with Torts. But I, I would be shocked if we don't get a Ball or Nikita sighting in the first ten games. Yeah, I definitely think Ball. I'd probably even put Ball Ball ahead of Hachuk right now. Um, I think he looks like he's pretty much NHL close to NHL ready this at this point. Um, I thought Riley Walsh had a really good 
prospects challenge too. The problem is, it's just like I, I don't, I don't know where he's gonna fit into the Devils blue line right now because they're so loaded on the right side. So unless he's capable, unless he wants to play on, he's comfortable playing on his offhand or someone else moves to the left side. I think he just might end up in Utica for now. Well, I think also injuries play into that, right? I, if you right, think at true. it from from a depth chart perspective, I, I I don't know who's higher, him or Simone, right? Am I yeah. am I saying that correct? Are we going with Simone? Uh, yeah, we could say. I think it's Shimon because there's Shimon? a little accent mark. Okay, we'll go Shimon. That's fine. I'm yeah. Eastern European. Uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Shimon or Riley. I don't know who's who's fourth on the depth chart there on the right hand side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Ball looks great. He, uh, I mean, we'd have to check the records here, but we might be pushing tallest defensive crew if he does uh, end up cracking that lineup with him, Gravy and uh, Hammy. Um, yeah, and Marino's no slouch either. He's like yeah, six think, two, right? I think he's six one, and he would if Ball were like a regular in that blue line. I'm pretty sure Marino would be the shortest guy at six one. And and Jonas is up there. He's like six three, I think. Yeah, yeah that's. Yeah, towering yeah. blue line and we know Fitz wants that yeah and they can uh, all move which is good which is yeah which is great so uh yeah no i think that's great uh do you want to touch on nemitz uh slightly do you what, 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 what how do you think his prospect challenge went i thought he got i mean since the pro if we go to the last cap camp scrimmage from the start of the prospects challenge to the last cap camp scrimmage i think he's looked more comfortable each time he's gotten up against nhlers um, he's not making the team out of camp. I'd be shocked if he did, but I think he's probably going to be a really big player for the Comets to start the season at least. And he's going to be playing NHL games at some point during the year. It might maybe come in the second half of the year after even New Year's, but we're going to see him in the NHL at some point this year. I just I, that one pass he made to Tyce Thompson, and, um, back door i like i at first i was like did was that nemitz who made that pass and it turned out it was him um, all, all i could think of was the pep guardiola meme when he's just like oh oh yeah i, I know it was like after like about. Lewandowski yeah. scored his fourth goal against wolfsburg yeah I know uh, what you're talking about or the zidane meme uh i was just like oh my god this yeah I mean, that's the one thing that jumps off the page like he looks super smooth out there he looks confident with the puck but his vision just looks looks to be NHL level. I think that's probably the biggest trait or best trait that I've seen from him so far is his vision. Uh, and then and, and Lindy's system, that's what you need to have. Yeah, he's a pretty creative playmaker. Um, like, it's, it's tough just off the clips I saw of him in Slovakia. Um, you know, it's just kind of tough to assess because the Slovak league is not great. Like, you watch him play in Slovakia, and you're like, oh, wow, he's a, he looks like a great skater. But, like, is that just because of part of the, you know, the level of competition there is not great? But then you see him this past weekend at the Prospects Challenge and even these training camp scrimmages. You're like, okay, no, the skating is pretty good. Like, he's going to be able to keep up with the NHLers. You know, just the one thing for him, really, uh, um, to work on when he's down in the AHL is just you get your defensive game in order. Um, the biggest thing for him as a prospect that he needed to fix was his rush defense, which uh, was kind of like non-existent almost in Slovakia. But he looked pretty good defending at the prospects challenge in, in these training camp scrimmages. So, yeah, I mean, the upside there is uh, you can see it for sure. He's going to be playing an NHL game sooner than later. Yeah, and I think it's important to know and and 
you know, I think most of the Devils fan base is is pretty educated, uh, besides what we see on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it, it's it's patience, right? With any yeah. young defenseman, it usually takes a little bit longer for them to develop um, than it, than a forward or a winger or a center. It's patience, right? I mean, even if you look at the likes of like Victor Hedman, he he looked like a deer in headlights the first couple of years he was out, but then but then it's then then the the light switch for him, and now he's a, I think he's won a couple Norris or he's been top three in voting plenty of times multiple Scanley cup winner. Like we just need to have patience with him. We need to have patience with Luke. And I know we want to win now and, and we might have a roster to, to make a push, but with players like that, we just need to preach patience. And and I'm guilty of it too. I'm always texting you. Wow. Well, we got to play this guy. We got to play this guy, but no, I think now that we have a built up bl- blue line, we can let him cook a little bit in Utica. Yeah, for sure. I think that that was, you know, that's what makes the Marino – it's an underrated part of the Marino trade. It's like, okay, well, you know, if we're not sure Riley Walsh is ready, then what are we going to just throw Nemitz out there? And he's not ready either. I mean, you could just let him sit in Utica and develop there, which they should be pretty decent again this year, even some though some guys are going to be playing with the Devils. But, um, yeah, I mean, just be patient with him because they can be patient with him now with Marino, Severson, and Hamilton on the right side. Well, I think that also allows for the likes of Ball or Nikita to, you know, to, you know, rotate with Brendan Smith. Cause I mean, you'll have those sheltered third line minutes, let them grow at the NHL level too. So I think it's, it's just going to be a nice rotation of defensemen this year. Um, and I'm excited to see what, what comes. So yeah. um, I think, you know, I think we, touched on everyone that we thought had a great prospect challenge or, you know, a respectable one. Were there any names uh, that have been disappointing so far that you've seen that you thought might be challenging for a roster spot, but might be a little difficult at this point? Uh, yeah, I'm, I was kind of expecting a little bit more out of Nolan foot at the prospects challenge. Um, I, I'm like, not really sure what to make of him at this point. I guess you just have to see I think it's be tough for him to make the Devils, but he should have a pretty prominent role with the Comets if that's you know where he starts out. And then we're just gonna have to see how he produces there. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think who's kind of maybe disappointing, but you know, I don't, I don't really have anyone that kind of like stuck out to me from the prospect role. Like, oh, this is yeah. not what I was expecting. I kind of agree with Nolan, right? You know, when we we got him in the Blake Coleman trade, we're like, oh, we essentially got two first round picks here, right? We got the pick itself, and then Nolan Foot, who was a first rounder, albeit a, a late rounder, a late first rounder. Um, but you know, when he came up through juniors, and you watched him on Team Canada on the wing on the power play, you're like, this guy's got a wicked shot. He comes from a an NHL caliber family. Obviously, we know with his father and now his brother, who's getting significant time in Tampa on the blue line. Um, but it just seems that it just hasn't clicked for him yet. Uh, he's a big body. But he doesn't play like it. He he gets pushed off the puck too much. Uh, he doesn't seem to have a strong north to south game, um, and I just haven't seen that shot look like it's going to make an impact. Um, but you know, we'll see how he does in Utica and see if he can change change our opinions. Yeah, it's it's funny too because I thought when he played in the NHL last season, I thought it was like, oh, it looks like he's made a lot of strides in his game. He was scoring. He's from the three goals he scored or whatever it was last season. A couple of them came in from like in tight, you know, around the blue paint and in the high danger areas. So it kind of looked like 
he was making progress and you know it's just a prospects challenge so maybe trying maybe i'm making a bit too much out of it uh, we'll just have to see how he does in preseason games and i guess with the comets to start but yeah he's one prospect i'm not really sure what to make of right now definitely definitely all right let's, let's move on I, I know we've touched a bunch on it, uh the scrimmages and you know the scrimmages have been fun it's great to see jack back on the ice it's great to see jesper on the ice uh, they've obviously, you know, jumped off the page. Jack looks faster than he did last season, if that's even possible. Jesper's up to his old breakaway goals and and whatnot. Um, general overall, you know, impressions from the scrimmages and training camp so far. Uh, any anything you'd like to highlight? Yeah, so I'm really excited about the top six that Ruff seems to have assembled to start off preseason uh, games. We're gonna. I would assume in uh, one game on Monday, we'll see Palat, Hughes, and Holtz, and then the next game will be um, Brat, Heischer, and Sharon Govich. And I think that's kind of the ideal top six, especially if Holtz is, shows he's ready for the NHL. Um, I think that's that would be great for the Devils uh, to start out things. So I'm interested to see how those lines do, um, specifically for Holtz, really. I just – I think, you know, I, I – think everyone's kind of rooting for him to make the team at this point because he could be a, a difference maker if he's ready um so yeah that's what i'm watching for um i already touched on mckenzie blackwood too so uh, that's well, what i'm looking for in the preseason games as well well you know the one thing that you know if holtz is ready it could almost make Fitz look like a genius not trading for Debrinket, right? Uh, right? I think yeah. there was a lot of uproar from from the fan base, like, "Hey, what did they trade? Like a second and a third for Debrinket, and and what the so and the like, first, like a first, yeah, second, and third, seventh overall, 39th overall, and I think there was another pick, but I don't remember what it was. But for a forty goal score, it was relatively cheap. I think that's what a lot of us thought here. And yeah, you know what the hell are the Blackhawks doing? But that's they're a dumpster fire that we won't even touch on um, because they are they are what, what, what's the term they've got for Bedard this year? Uh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I know. It's like for blow us, for Bedard, suck hard for Bedard. You know, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Well, you can throw the Flyers in there too. And we will never be, we will always shit on the Flyers because they suck. Um, and we hate John Tortorella as well. Dinosaur and does terrible things for the game. But as we move on, um, ask me how I really feel about Tortorella. Um, yeah, seriously. Um, so we, we, we like to have a little fun on this podcast. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think the top six looks, looks great. Right. And, and, and I was a little, you know, hesitant to see Dawson not in that top six. Cause I think he, he had some great chemistry with the Hughes brat, um, line combo last year i remember there was like a nine game streak where they just were putting up two to three points a, a game on that line yeah you more. mean with sharon govich uh yeah oh sorry yeah, yeah sharon govich yeah yeah, they, yeah yeah they that was our own kid line times way better because screw the the kid line across the hudson but um a bunch of losers um so you know we'll see how the line how how the lines shake out, but I think to your point, I think they do. Those two top lines look great, and that that does bring us to the third line, 
Um, I think this is probably where nothing is set in stone. I think maybe the only thing set in stone or maybe put pencil to paper is Hala at center. Uh, I think there is a slight chance that you might see Jesper Boquist there. But you have four or five players that can play wing on that third line. You have AJ, you have Tuna, uh, you have Zetterland, um, you have Miles Wood, uh, and obviously Dawson Mercer. Um, I, I, and where does this all play out? Maybe you have two third lines, right? Maybe you have, you don't have a true fourth line and you have two third lines, but what what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So this is where the roster is going to get kind of interesting because now you're getting caught up in a bit of a numbers game here. Um, so I think if Mercer is playing on the third line, then I guess that ideal third line would probably be Tatar, Hala and Mercer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that's where things are going to get tricky. It's like that fourth line going to look like Miles Wood. It might not be Miles Wood, McLeod, and Bastion again. It could be like Miles Wood, Boquist, and I don't know, Fabian Zetterlin. Cause, I would love that. Yeah. I would, yeah because I think... then, then, then you do have two third lines. Yeah. And, and Zetterlin, um, I don't know if anyone's seen this, but if you haven't, go to Zetterlin's Instagram and look at his shot from this summer. I mean, he looks like a Greek god. I, I His nickname to, you know, Alex will tell you this, is Zeus. Because he looks like freaking Zeus. I mean, he is shredded. Yeah, yeah, that's enough with my Fabian Zetterman man crush. But I think if we could have a fourth line where that will create mismatches for us going into the season where I just we thought we would have that with the BMW line. And I don't think I think that was more of a flash in the pan than anything, if I'm being honest. I think if you have Miles insert center, I don't know if that's Jesper or Tice. I, at this point, Alex, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm writing off McLeod. Um yeah, I know I mean, I he's know in camp. The, yeah. It's just so tough to to like even stomach that. But yeah, um, sure. I'll I'll leave that to to the investigators in the NHL in Hockey Canada. Well, maybe not Hockey Canada. Yeah, no, not them. Leave it yeah. to the NHL. Not yeah, Canada. yeah. We've seen that was such a yeah. fantastic job, and I'm very tongue in cheek when I say that, and how tone deaf <laughs> they've been all summer. Yeah, but, it's been bad. Um, you know that I'll leave that to to the likes of Friedman and Merrick to to to, to discuss those merits, but. You know, I think I think it really does pose some interesting but good questions for the coaching staff to, to figure out what you're going to do with that third and fourth line. And I mean, yeah. I think we'll see, you know, two to three different combos coming into this to the preseason. Yeah, for sure. And I think I'm pretty confident in saying that Zetterlund is a lock for the roster because he needs waivers. Um, uh, and they're not going to put him on waivers because he'll get claimed. So, oh, he um, will be claimed in a damn second, especially yeah. with the showing he had at the end of the season. He seems to have a great shot. As I said, he's built like a rock, um, yeah. and he can skate. Yeah, so I'm pretty confident in saying he's going to make the team. And like a fourth line of Wood, Boquist, and Zetterlin kind of gives you a little bit of everything between those three players. Uh Woods, they're all good skaters, but Woods like a more physical kind of like go score dirty goals, get in on the forecheck type. Boquist is more of a rush player. He's going to move the puck in transition. And and Zetterlin kind of does a little bit of everything and he's got that good shot. So it kind of gives you a different look. And it, like you said, it would create mismatches for other teams. It's, you kind of have like scores on all four lines at that point. Um, and you know, it's tough for someone like Nathan Bastion, who's a pretty good fourth liner. But, I mean, if 
you know, Zettelin. I see is, him being the 13th forward, if I'm yeah, being honest. And that's not a bad thing. And that's not a bad yeah, no, thing. I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I'm pretty confident he's staying on the roster as well. But, yeah, I mean, if, I mean Zettelin, if he's he's got to play, he's got to play. It kind of looks like he's ready to contribute meaningfully uh, for this team. So, yeah, that's that's probably an interesting thing that to watch over their seven preseason games is what does the bottom six end up being. So, so, so the one player that's just obviously being excluded from all these conversations is AJ. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know trade waivers. What what do we yeah, think? I don't think he'll get waived. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, I mean, Ruff was playing him with McLeod and Bastion at the training camp scrimmages. So, like that to me says he's penciled in for like a fourth line role here at least to start off things but, but he's, I, he's, he's not better. a fourth line player yeah he's better than a fourth line player and i think but he's not better I, than tatar Mar- mercer yeah i think tatar is a good bounce back candidate too because you've re- you've written about that and, and yeah i will continually plug this please go check out alex on the hockey writers he does some phenomenal pieces there uh, as well as infernal access and if you don't have a subscription it is worth it i think it's like five bucks or something like that I, a I month could, yeah yeah I, but I, we, we run deals there you could even get for less yeah so. if you need a friends and family you know you can get in touch with alex and bug him on twitter but um <laughs> Yeah, please, please go check out some of this great content because, um, you know, I think Alex is a top-notch writer. But sorry, back Thank to my you. you heard it from the plus. fisherman himself. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I've known Alex uh, for many, many years now. So, uh, but g- getting back to this conversation, I, I just don't see where where AJ fits in. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's you know it's a shame because I thought we you know when we made, he was a cap casualty from from the Leafs. I thought we thought this would be a great trade, great top nine, um, you know, addition. And he showed some, you know, the beginning of last season, he, he had a great start to it. But outside of that, it's been dismal. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought even last season he had like 35 points in 70 games or 71 games or something like that. So I was like, that's like 40 points in 82 games, which is basically the type of player he was with the Maple Leafs. But like the thing for me was that, that at the end of last season, even with all the injuries that kind of um, – the Devils were going through is just, you know, it seemed like Janssen kind of just fell out of favor with Ruff. He was either, a, I think he was a healthy scratch a couple of times at the end of the season, if I don't, re- if I remember right. And when he was playing, he was playing like in a fourth line role. So I think he's just kind of, that's the thing for me where when I'm trying to kind of envision what this roster is going to look like on opening night. And when I think of him, I just kind of think of how last season ended and it looks like he just kind of like fell out of favor with Ruff. Like, what they're going to do with him, I don't know. Like, are they going to be able to find a trade partner for him? He has a, a no-trade clause, I think, like a 10-team a no-trade clause, I think. I guess they could waive him, but I don't I don't know if – I don't think he would get claimed. Do you think he so. has any trade value? I mean, like, I know, like, I mean, cap, cap – like, we talked about this offline where, you know, there's no money, right? Teams are really up against it, and you have, like, maybe the Ducks or – or or someone similar that could or the coyotes maybe that could eat a contract but what's the price of that right at this point yeah and then also like the the 10 team no trade is like a little bit of factor like oh that's true we don't even know yeah it could probably yeah both of those teams are on there anaheim maybe because like anaheim could be all right but i'm pretty sure he would veto a trade to i'm sure the coyotes are probably on his 10 team no trade what do you mean he doesn't want to go play like five thousand. he wouldn't want to go play in a five thousand seat arena 
so I have a bit of a hot take on that, that like it could actually be kind of a cool environment, but you know, yeah, my guess is. Are they even going to get their logo on the ice, Alex? Probably not, but I think it's more so about the team just being, (laughs) they're not going to be good. So, you know, I I know, but just from like a league perspective, that's got to be so embarrassing. Like that, I guess the Vikings did go play at Minnesota for a year, right? While they're saying, yeah, when they were bigger. building their, yeah, they were building, yeah, but I think it's a little bit different because yeah. it was still a full size stadium, yeah, um, oh, yeah, definitely. But this um, is a fucking rec center, yeah, yeah, I don't know, it's it's gonna be, it could get wild, it could get wild. I mean, you get a bunch of drunk ASU kids there, that's that's, that's what I'm thinking, but the exactly. ticket prices are still like that's true, they're like, aren't they like $200 a pop or for some yeah. season, even more than that? So, well, I guess um, you know, you can run daddy's yeah. credit card and get a couple game tickets, yeah. I mean, also, the thing there too is the locker room is not even they have to like walk outside, I think, to the locker room, so you know, that's probably outside of the arena. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have to walk outside the arena. I'm gonna need. Um, a, I'm gonna need a locker room cam walk, a walk cam. Actually, I'm I should say. Sure, they're gonna have one. At least their home broadcast. So. So embarrassing. Um, so yeah, that's embarrassing. probably m- multiple reasons why he would not accept a trade there. So. Yeah, good he, weather year round now. Yeah, I'm a, then Anaheim, same thing. So, and they're probably gonna be competitive. Higher taxes on it. Yeah, that is true. Um. So yeah, he's uh, he's one of the players that might just get caught up in the numbers game, uh, especially. Well, and then they, another player too is Tice, right? Like where, where, yeah. like it, I guess for that well, fourth line center role, he's waivers exempt. So I think he's like Utica. Yeah, if they need to send him to Utica, it's not going to be. But he's probably much. like first player call up outside of the defenseman that we first forward call up. I would. Yeah, say. He, I was. Yeah, I would probably guess he's him and maybe like Nolan Foot probably going to be like the top two you know, forward call-ups. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, I don't I don't know. Like, they got a lot of forwards right now. Um, and someone... A lot. Yeah. You, it could be more than a couple guys who they... You know, Very different from the Nick Lappin calling up days. Yeah, no. Like, Blake Piatala and stuff like that. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't bring that name up. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. <laughs> I have so, to see um, that 56 jersey number again. Oh. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, someone's going to get... Maybe even a couple players might get cut up in their numbers game, so... Yeah, we'll see what happens. Happens. Um, well, I think I think we hit on it all. It's a successful first podcast, I think, Alex. Um, you know, as we you know, we have devils, you know, when when this ever gets released, I'm hoping to get it out uh, on Monday, uh, September 26th, and that will be the day of our first preseason game, right? We got we got the yep. Montreal Canadiens tomorrow. Yeah, we got four games in five nights this week. So we'll see. We'll see a lot of split rosters, but it'll be it'll be great to finally see our our boys up against some external um, uh, competition. Um, you know, Alex and I still need to discuss the frequency of this podcast, but I think we're hoping at least one per week, uh, and then try and recap games, uh, any moves or any rumors. I know Alex does some great rumor uh, mill stuff on the hockey writers. So again, check it out. Uh, and follow him on Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, thanks for listening. And, and we hope to, to make this a special one. Yep. Take care, everyone.